0: Welcome back. You're listening to Diferente with me, Maribel Quesada-Smith. Ah, Cinco de Mayo, one of my least favorite days of the year. ¿Por qué? Well, it probably wouldn't be if I lived in Mexico, but I live in the U.S., where every year I have to answer the same damn questions. Isn't it your Independence Day? Why aren't you celebrating? And I hear the same lame joke every year, too. You know which one I'm talking about. How many Mexican people does it take to celebrate Cinco de Mayo? Just Juan. (laughs) It's funny because it's so sad. Listeners, I have to be honest with you. I have been waiting almost a year to bring this topic up. And since it is Mayo, I think it's the perfect time to get into it. Bienvenidos. Welcome to Diferente. My name is Maribel Quesada-Smith. I'm an expert at questioning everything who wants to bring more color into your life. I'll be coming at you every week with a little humor and a mountain of passion to share with you stories and ideas related to life, culture, creativity, and business that will inspire all of us to explore different perspectives. Don't be surprised if you find yourself motivated to shake things up. That's known to be a side effect of the diferente life and it's contagious. Now let's get to it. It's time we take a look at the cultural appropriation of Mexican culture in the United States. Beware, this is a subject that I am personally invested in. I am passionate about it, and it shows. So if you're not someone who can handle straight talk, this might not be the episode for you. But I do hope you stick around because I want to share my points and my personal experience on this topic with you. And my hope in sharing this episode is that it will inspire you to keep this conversation going. So here's the thing. Lately, it seems that cultural appropriation has become more popular than the Kardashians. I've mentioned this gripe of mine before when I sort of complained about how El Día de los Muertos is our thing, And how obnoxious it is that some of the very people who used to judge me for being proud of my heritage now want to celebrate it. I'm talking about people that I grew up around in Columbus, Ohio. Maybe let me back up for a sec, give you a little bit of background. So seeing these people celebrating El Dia de los Muertos now is very confusing Because I remember sitting in my middle school cafeteria, afraid to pull out that torta de frijoles with sliced avocado that my mom had made me for lunch. Because back then, none of my American friends knew what avocado was. But now, 20 years later, I can scroll through my Facebook feed and see many of them that are making their own versions of guacamole. All right, get to the point, Maribel. I know that's what you're thinking. I just had to give you a little bit of history, but let me fast forward. So just as the food chains used to be cash only back in the day, there was also no avocado being used in their dishes when I was a teenager. Hold up, it wasn't that long ago. But I also promise you this, there was no chorizo in anything outside of the Tex-Mex restaurants that I grew up knowing in Columbus, Ohio in the early 2000s. So what's really frying my beans here, you ask? I'll tell you. I'm tired of wondering this. When are people going to start giving Mexico and its people some credit around here? I mean, I know not all Americans think that we're these piñata-beating rapists who nap and eat nachos, but why aren't more people giving credit to the delicious influence that our gastronomy has added to the everyday American life? This is why I wanna go a little bit into the history, well, this is sort of historically accurate, or what I have perceived as the Mexican food explosion in the U.S. Let's take it back over 20 years ago. I don't know if you remember, but first came the lime and the corona, paired with the most annoying cultural appropriation in Mexican history, which is Cinco de Mayo. And this might be longer than 20-some years ago, but I came to know it 20-some years ago. Next, I remember the cheese dip, which honestly is a crappy version of the queso fundido that we eat in Mexico, but... I'll still eat it because it's still kind of good. After that, I remember the avocado making people go crazy uh, for guacamole and then later they started putting it on toast. Then you know, tequila, although it was always around, it usually was mostly mixed in margaritas, but recently or in the last 10 years or so, it started becoming more desirable among the elevated people in the last few years. Then I've also noticed the use of chipotle peppers in recipes everywhere in all kinds of restaurants. And then of course, we can't forget about the taco trucks. Initially, I do remember those being reserved for the real Mexicans who didn't care about a bathroom or chairs or tables. And then later, it just like became this new thing to appropriate and rebrand for the less Mexican-like folks who prefer flour tortillas and organic lettuce. But you know, you get the point. Also, by the way, I do love flour tortillas. Nothing wrong with that. But what I'm trying to say is that This is the evolution that I've observed. Most recently, we have the discovery of mezcal among the hip. Now it's mixed into practically everything in high-end restaurants, and it's always on a cocktail list. I've noticed that a lot. Although it might be a while before the shots start being poured of mezcal, because I don't know about you, but I won't even drink it straight, and I'm super Mexican. Why am I giving you this historical background? Well, here's the thing. As an immigrant kid in this amazing country, I used to feel alone in my desire for Mexican food. As a teenager, I can remember having to drive to the Mexican store, that's what we called it, to buy limes, tortillas, tomatillos, chorizo, and the good avocados. Between the years of 1996 to about 2002, no chain grocery store had all of these ingredients at the same time. And at some point, probably between 2002 and 2007, I noticed a significant shift. The city, and I'm talking about Columbus, Ohio, where I grew up, the city grew, the population increased, the Mexican influence became more apparent. And by the time that President Obama was inaugurated, we could buy all of these ingredients in the nearby Meijer or the Kroger. And even still, after all of this growth of the Mexican culture in Columbus, Ohio, year after year, I noticed something strange. The top Mexican restaurant award in the local lifestyle magazine called 614 was constantly a Tex-Mex restaurant, not an authentic Mexican restaurant, which always used to crack me up and piss me off at the same time, but also leads me to believe that most people still don't know the difference. Why? I think Mexican culture has been blending with U.S. culture for so long that perhaps one day it will just become American culture and I have to say I'm conflicted about that. I'm conflicted because for many years I felt like no one understood my pain when I would order a taco and I would be served a taco with cheese. Like no one knew my pain and now I'm happy that more people are discovering the delicious authentic Mexican dishes that I used to yearn for as a kid living in Ohio I mean, the first time I saw a guava again since moving to the States was in Los Angeles and I cried while I ate it. I know, (laughs) food is a deep subject for me. I don't know why. I think it has something to do with my family, but we don't have time to go into that right now. But that is the root of my angst here. I love the fact that I can find Tacos al Pastor in almost every U.S. city I travel to, but it pains me that as avocados become easier to find in the U.S., mostly to make guacamole for the Super Bowl, we have to admit, the lives of millions of undocumented immigrants, including those who pick the avocados in California, keep getting harder. Restrictions on obtaining driver's licenses, vehicle registrations, and tags imposes these hardships on workers who have to drive to get to work. The increase in deportations also create a general panic among the undocumented communities, which makes it difficult to get them to seek police help because they fear that they would be deported. Therefore, they are more likely to be victimized. And so even though cultural traditions and their meanings have changed or evolved during the social media era, the thing that's remaining constant is the continued and sometimes non-intentional disrespect for Mexican culture. Not to mention the debauchery that takes place every May 5th. I know, you might think I'm exaggerating. And maybe you're right, that's your point of view. But if you think that I'm exaggerating when I say drunkenness is disrespectful, then answer this. How many drunk people on Cinco de Mayo know what they're celebrating? How many of them are Mexican? How many of them can tell you why they are actually celebrating? If your answer is zero or I don't know, I've never cared to ask, then you know why I feel disrespected. It's a thin line between plain fun and cultural appropriation. The worst part about Cinco de Mayo is not just that it's been appropriated by corporations. For many Americans, it's now blurred as an all-inclusive Hispanic holiday that celebrates all Hispanics because that's what we need, right? That's what the Hispanic people in the US need. More people thinking that we're all the same and that we're all from Mexico. We all look alike anyway, right? So why not use Cinco de Mayo as an excuse to celebrate us? And then we can't call racism or appropriation because, hey, wait a minute, we're celebrating y'all. We're celebrating your people, Hispanics. The thing is, I feel that Mexican culture and cuisine have been appropriated so uniquely that it's sometimes hard to know the difference between authentic Mexican and anything that just has chipotle or avocado in it, since you can practically order guacamole at any chain or casual spot these days. In some ways, I think it's cool to see these ingredients mixed into the mainstream palate and yielding tasty results. I think it's exciting to see a Mexican Asian fusion restaurant. In fact, I love the idea. But I think the least that people who decide to use the Mexican gastronomy can do is to give credit to the source of these magnificent gastronomic creations, which is Mexico. Same with cultural traditions. I think it's wonderful that people want to learn more about traditions such as El Día de los Muertos. I just don't want to see them using it as an excuse to paint their face on Halloween, which, by the way, is the wrong holiday, and eat tamales. Because that's way more fun than pressuring legislators to do something about the broken immigration system. I think it's hypocritical and it's like saying I'm going to enjoy the culture for one day, but I don't want to know anything about what that culture actually faces. I don't want to know anything about what that culture actually is struggling through. I don't want to know anything about what I can do to better their lives. I just want to take all the good stuff and enjoy it. And I know, I know that this is not a situation unique to just Mexican culture. It's a consistent problem in the United States. And I don't even know if it's just the United States. It's a consistent problem around the world. We don't really take the time to learn other people's cultures or other people's traditions. We just kind of use them for whatever advantage they can give us. And I think that's a little bit selfish. And I think it's a little bit sad because food and traditions and parties are a really good Invitation and a really good way of bringing people together. And if we don't use those opportunities to actually get to know one another or get to know the cultures that we're celebrating, then what's the point? So I'm going to leave you with this thought. If you ever have to ask yourself, Am I being culturally insensitive when I wear this or say this or get drunk on a holiday that means nothing to me for the sake of a good time while perpetuating cultural stereotypes? The answer is yes. Yes. If your conscience, is propelling these questions, you already know you need to put the maracas down, have some guacamole, and sit your ass down. This episode is sponsored by Social Mosaic Communications, a branding boutique founded on the idea of embracing your diferente. Go to socialmosaic.us to start creating with purpose. And just like that, another episode of the Diferente Rough Cut series has come to an end. Thank you again for listening and hanging out with me for these few minutes. I know, like I said, this is a little bit different from what we've done this first season so far. And I like it because that's why the show is called Diferente. So anyway, in a few weeks, I think about three weeks to be exact, we're going to be hanging out at the We All Grow Summit the Latina Summit in LA. So make sure you come and visit me on my social media networks, specifically on my at at Diferente Life on Instagram or Diferente underscore podcast so that you can see what's going on during the summit. It's gonna be awesome. There's gonna be a whole lot of Latina love and sisterhood going on and especially a lot of learning and growth. So I will definitely be sharing as much as I can with you guys while I'm at the summit. So stay tuned. Join me on Instagram or Facebook. And in the meantime, I'll catch you soon and make sure you keep on living Diferente. Thank you for listening to Diferente. If you like this episode, let me know by leaving a five star review and by sharing a screenshot of this podcast on Instagram or Facebook. Hasta pronto.